You like that? <sighs> no. <laughs> How are you? Mm. I'm fine. Is that credit to anyone or was that just AI that made that? What was that song? D- DJ Earworm is who makes Oh, of course, DJ Earworm. That's, well, that's the I'm, guy that... I live in San Francisco. I make songs for people from other songs. How's everything going up there? <laughs> Pretty good, Dan. How are you? I'm good. Nice to talk to you. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I enjoy your shows. I was hanging out with your uh, with your, <laughs> your pal from San Francisco just last night. I have a pal? Yeah. That's sweet. Uh, well, please let me know. Who? Uh, Jason Snell. Jason Snell. Mm-hmm. He's a handsome man. Yeah, he was here in Austin for, you know, I don't know what they do, but he was here. Oh, for... Um, Some kind of thing, business thing. Business papers? He was at the he was at the Comic Con. He did a drunk podcast, and and so I guess he on the way back he popped into Austin. <laughs> Is that what he? Yeah, yeah. Maybe take the edge off. <laughs> Clear out the that. pipes, as as they say. <laughs> Woo! Clear out the pipes. That's right. Yeah. How are what you? You, what sound what good. Hair, you sound hair good. Hair of the dog. You sound great. <laughs> <laughs> it's four twenty somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> always. Um, you don't like that song I played at the beginning of the show? That's miserable, miserable music. It's a, I, yeah. it's a hit. It's a hit song. Oh, well, shoot. <laughs> I wish I'd known that before I passed judgment. Yeah. My goodness. I hate to be in the minority about music. Wow. Um, I, uh, you know what I do, though? My wife has already, I don't know. My, my wife leads some kind of second life that I'm not involved in, which is probably healthy. Uh-huh. But, but like we'll be listening to some crummy music on the radio uh, or something. And my, uh, you know, cause they make that, that music's like crack mm. that, that, that junky over compressed music with the robot voices and everything. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm 46. And, uh, and, <laughs> Oh and, my God. And they seem to what? know they sing along with them. You're that and I, I have found out that they, they listen to Pandora stations based right. on these, these crappy songs. And so now I started listening to them. So I think I've actually heard some of that. I've heard DJ Earworm. I'm more of a girl talk fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I like the, uh, the streamlined uh, components, if you, if you like, of, uh, of girl talk. Mm-hmm. I think DJ Earworm was a little busy. Okay. A little busy for my leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, we have a Pandora <laughs> station based on Call Me Maybe. Please don't play it. Um, and there's like four songs I know Come from on, the radio. Come on, let me play it. Yeah, I told you. Did, did I already type this to you? I, I would listen to Ray. I think it's called Raise Your Glass by Pink. That's the song from the radio that I like. And I think it's like six years old. You ever heard that song? I'm going to Spotify it right now. Raise okay. your I think it's called Ra- thing Here's the thing. She has, uh, she has an exclamation okay. point in her name. All right, let me play this. Legally. Oh, yeah. This is pretty catchy. Right, right, turn off the lights. We're gonna lose our minds tonight. What's the deal, It's not bad. What do you mean, not bad? It doesn't have enough junk in it for you. You like all the songs with too much junk in them. No, it's a good song. It's an all right song. Now, have you ever listened to Girl Talk? Oh, yeah. Okay, you got the Feed the Animals album? Uh, Yeah, I have that one. It's a good one. That's my favorite one. You need more streets to play both sides of. What a confused little man you are. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Did you do you know what I was just doing this amplified show and Peter Cohn was on there and he, he told me 
about these black lights that you can take. They're like little flashlights. Oh, They're God. UV uh, LED flashlights you can take to a hotel to inspect the room, to inspect the room. Uh, and I had, see one, of those, what's I had one of those on my face a few nights ago, and I, 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 could, I could barely get to sleep. I wanted to just strip the whole bed and then and throw the bed away. What a horrible, horrible thought. Everything, and the cheaper the hotel room gets, it's a long story, but we had, we had, had a, a change in our plans. We had to stay in a very, very inexpensive place. Oh, no. And, oh, well, no. I mean, we had to like basically see what was available somewhere. We had a slight emergency situation. We just had to get a, a room somewhere, wherever. And every, every textile in the entire room seemed to be made out of the same coarse cloth. Inclusive. You got the curtains, you got the towels, you got the filthy, filthy rug, the sheet. I mean, it's like a six thread count sheet. You know what I mean? You can actually, you can see the bed bugs in there. uh, Yeah, they're just in there, just just hopping around, listening to that crappy dance music. (laughs) Wow. You know, it's really confusing because, you know, they always put the NPR station down in that ghetto on the left end of the dial by the college stations. Mm -hmm. And if you turn just a little bit to the right, you'll almost always find a crappy dance station, turns out. I made a pretty good uh, dance uh, dance song on my garage band yesterday. Oh, cool. Let's hear it. Um, Send it. We'll put it. We'll close the shot to it. We'll so it. Hang on. Uh, good, week. <clears throat> good week. Yeah, big week. Yeah. Huge. Pretty huge week. What, what have you been up to? I haven't talked to you in a while. What have you I been doing? Went, uh, I went on a, I was forced onto a vacation, actually. Did you, did you walk with wolves? I slept oh, no, yeah. huh. with giants. You, um... You don't like vacations, Dan? Mm-mm. So, like, more than a day? Yeah, a lot more than a day. A lot more. That's disruptive to a person's schedule. <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> where did you Where did you stay? Uh, we went to... No, not in detail, not in detail, but I mean, like, a, like a, a, a hotel? Lake. We went to a lake. Uh-huh. And pool, s- pond. <laughs> pond would be good for you. We stayed in a, uh, I guess you would call it a, a condo that hmm. was, you know, it's, it's for... It's a vacation rental of some kind, I guess. Hmm. Well, that sounds good. And and did you trust the people? I mean, did it seem like it seemed hygienic and stuff? When you say the people, do you mean the people who rented the condo or the my family? Oh, was it a well? Let's, the family part's complicated. Was it like a sub? Was it like a sublet? Was it like just somebody was at their house? They just go away for a couple nights. How'd that work? <laughs> no, this is like a vacation rental, so it's thoroughly cleaned and all new good. linens. It's designed for people to come and 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 stay. And then they, you know, the Gattaca style, the whole thing goes up in, in smoke and new furniture comes up out of the floor. And, oh, I like the sound of that. Yeah. I like that fine. It was very clean. <laughs> it's hot there, but. Does that look clean to you? Man, oh man. Have you watched the film anymore? Uh, I've seen it twice since the last time we spoke. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, if I seem, seem distracted, it's because my garage band's not, not playing. I don't mm-hmm. know. Huh. Huh. I'll be darned. But what yeah, else? I watched it, watched it a couple times. It's, you know. It's a real crowd pleaser in my family. Really? I mean, does your lady suffer that? No, no. She's gone out of the room when that's on. But um, watch it with my son. <laughs> watch it with Cash. He's almost Cash, six. Cash will really, he will really watch it, watch it more than once. He's not, you know, the beginning of the movie, I think for him is a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't really get his interest peaked until the uh, second plane crash. At that point... Oh, the really gruesome one. Yeah, he likes that a lot. He'll request to see that. And sorry. Oh, that's cool. No, that was my phone. I like it. 
And uh, but he's less interested in the plane crash than he is in the follow up scenes. He loves, loves, loves the scene where he's talking about the milk. I can play the audio. Like that's um, really, really weird. And and he has most of it memorized so that he can, you know, I can do one of the lines. He'll do the subsequent line. <laughs> So that he's allowed to eat. Right. This is how he is stuff. He's got him trained. And I'm like, I'm like, <clears throat> I need to sleep. And he'll say, it's clean. And, you know, he'll, he'll know the next line and he'll say, uh, isn't that fun? And I'll say, I'll say, I shouldn't pick up the milk in my right hand. And he'll, and he'll say, <clears throat> I shouldn't take the top off with my left hand and put it in my left pocket. Like he's got it. He's got it down. And uh, today I was saying, uh, I think I said something this morning to him, like, come in with the milk. And he said, and, and he says, what about show me all the blueprints? I see, I do that one. He'll say, show me all the blueprints. Show me all the that's, blueprints. that's my boy. Yeah. He's coming along well. Raise him right. My daughter called me Slim yesterday. Nice. What's that from? X-Men. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's what... Uh, Are Wolverine. you still reading comics? Yeah. Okay. Occasionally. All right. Oh, yeah. uh, Snell told me that the, the big uh, saga show is coming out. I wasn't going to say anything. You get mad when I promote no, anything. No, I like when shows. you promote the other shows, especially that other one you do. With the is, it guy. is it official? I think it's official. It's official, yeah. It's, it's yeah, coming out. So for this weekend, I think Friday, usually, I don't know when they release. Mm, Friday or Saturday, <laughs> I think, it's going to be the, the <laughs> epic uh, saga yeah. episode of, uh, they're a Canadian band. Uh, <laughs> they did a song called the Saga, uh, White- the saga Genesis you're thinking of. <laughs> did, you, did you ever enjoy Saga when you were a kid? No. Remember them world, Worlds Apart, the Canadian band Saga, Worlds Apart? I don't know. I don't recognize that. I'm a peak and stop bees. It kind of goes like that. It's Canadian. Nice. <laughs> oh, that, that, that I recognize. I know that one. Sure. Go look it up. Go look it up. Okay, no, I got no topics. What's the name of that? Mm, that was, I think it's called Wind, Wind, Wind Him Up or Wind It Up uh, by Saga, the Canadian band Saga. Yeah, <laughs> here it is. Here it is. This? Oh, God, yes. Those, and those may be electronic drums. I'm not, those may, might be electronic drums. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. I don't know either. Oh yeah! <laughs> All right. <laughs> what am I thinking of? That was uh, no wait no what that was uh, what song was that? Wind him. That was up. that was wind him up. What am I thinking of? What's the song I'm thinking of? I don't the know. Hmm. Saga. Yeah, I bought a what three hundred page comic compilation <laughs> compilation on uh, on the comicsology yesterday. Wow. It's probably one of the dumbest things I've ever bought. It's the Avengers versus X-Men Companion, book one of three. Mm. And it's it's the first volume. <laughs> I need to see someone, Dan. It's every tie-in for AVX. Because, you know, most of those are pretty critical. But you know what? This gets to my recommendation, uh, uh, my comic recommendation. Because every time I pick up an issue of this book, I, I love it, love it, love it. I've talked about it before, but Wolverine and the X-Men. Primarily, I believe by Jason Aaron and is it Chris Bacalow? Is that the guy's name? Uh, oh yeah, man. that's yeah, that's him. I love that guy. He to me, he's in that you know, kind of in that stack with um, who's your boy? What's his name? The guy, the guy we like, Cash. 
Uh, Ramos? He's kind of in the Ramos. I think of like Ramos, Bacalo, uh, what's the name? Diodato. I I love, I really have come to love that slightly wackadoodle style. And Wolverine the X-Men is great. So Wolverine the X-Men starts when um, Wolverine, so it's after Schism. Talk about a hotel room, huh? Seriously. All right. All over everything. Schism everywhere. You know, and so basically this has been going on for a long time now. The whole Cyclops thing of, you know, Cyclops at this point, you know, this goes really, really far back, but especially through the Messiah books, you know, he's convinced that there's this Messiah that's coming along. The the mutants after House of M, everything is just going to pieces. They're going to be extinct. He's freaking out. So in Schism, finally, he's got the students. He's got like the kids from the school, like fighting. And Wolverine just can't handle this. He says, this is, this is wrong. So he goes off, he leaves, I guess Utopia and goes and he's going to restart the uh, the Professor X school, except now it's the Jean, Jean Grey Institute. Mm-hmm. So he and Kitty Pride, I, I, I think you're aware of this, but I'm just sharing this with people. So it's uh, the conceit is that they go and restart the school, um, you know, back back in uh, Grey Malkin Lane or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he and Kitty start this, and it's a riot. If you've ever enjoyed X Men in the past, I think you'll really like it because even with my modest knowledge of X Men, there's so many hilarious throwbacks in it. Their front lawn is a Krakoa. They have Bamfs, the little like the little little night, tiny little night crawlers, little night crawlers who drink and poop on the lawn. Uh, there's just all kinds of like who else is there? Um, of course, like Quentin Choir is there. Um, Kid Apocalypse, mm-hmm. uh, Brew the Brood, Brew the adorable Brood is yeah. there. Idy, who everybody loves, and anyway, um, it, you know, uh, tie-ins in a crossover. I don't know if you're aware of this, Dan. Sometimes tie-ins in a Marvel crossover event can be. A little superfluous. Mm-hmm. That's kind of. <laughs> Would you say the, that's fair to say? Yes, and I and I did a show with Andy Nako where, where he just he always talks about the Marvel crossover events because in every one of them, not only that, but like New York is destroyed in every single one of them. Well, yeah, yes, yeah, well, and yeah, and I, what I recently reread uh, in the last few days is the first four volumes of Grant Morrison's New X Men, which I think is just outstanding I, I i think it's awfully awfully good psychedelic weird amazing like reimagining of of the x-men very influential on the x-men movies and um but you know better um uh, i just think it's terrific and especially frank quietly is that the guy's name I, his style is so unconventional but but really really enjoyable so you know the post 2000 kind of reboots of including new x-men and astonishing x-men are both great but I, you know i don't know i, I for somebody who likes comics, Andy Naka seems to not really like comics. Yeah. You know, I think that's because he's been at it for so long. He's seen, like you with Spider-Man, it seems like you've both probably seen so much go on. And I have to be honest, I'm starting to get a little, uh, I'm starting to tune out. I'm going to like really greatly reduce my pull list just because I just don't, it's, it's just there's so much stuff. And I, I kind of at this point just want to wait till it comes out in trade or buy it on Comixology. Yeah, my pull list is down to like nothing anymore. Well, I, every week I take another one off. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I couldn't get super into the new Captain America. I couldn't, the, uh, Iron Man, I gave up after one porny issue. And, you know, I accidentally bought a Greg Land comic last week. It's really weird. And, uh, but, but anyway, Wolverine and the X-Men is a, is, 
it's another one of those ones where I would say, I, I always feel like I say this all the time, but I really feel like I want to give people an inroad to this because I know we talk about it a lot. It frustrates Marco. And I want to give people an inroad into this in the event that they are interested. And Wolverine and the X-Men is a lot of fun. The first, basically, the, we've talked again, but the first issue is basically they've gotten this school belt built. Professor X is there. He's like, well, good luck. You know, it gets destroyed every couple of weeks. So I hope you got good insurance or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, <laughs> it's, it's like something from like an old sitcom. Wolverine has to put on a suit and a hello, my name is tag. And he and Kitty are there. And the inspectors, <laughs> it's like something from like the little rascals. Like the inspectors are coming to inspect the school and everything goes wrong. There's a danger room in the public restroom. And it's, it's an awful lot of fun. And, and as I flip through this um, on a filthy, filthy plane, oh. it's this, this multi-hundred page bunch of tie-ins. A few things really distinguish themselves. Um, some of the uh, new Avenger stuff, I think, is, is really... I think it was the New Avengers. But the, the, the one that always pops out to me is Wolverine and the X-Men. Because there's a real sense of history in that comic. You know, it's, it, it takes into account so many different things without getting bogged down in continuity crap. Like Astonishing X-Men, Joss Whedon has said, Astonishing X-Men, like he saw, is coming out of New X-Men. Where, you know, he loved those comics. He read the whole book. He knew the history. And so at one time, he can provide really awarding, really rewarding I guess, fan service, while at the same time not making it completely obscure. And I think Wolverine and the X-Men does that really well. So anyway, comics are fun. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read Wolverine and the X-Men, Dan? Uh, yes, I did. I read the first maybe four or five issues. Pretty good, it. though, huh? Yeah, and I, I, I really enjoyed the artwork on that, and it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's entertaining. It's, yeah, it's, very it's, entertaining. it's entertaining, and that's the thing. is like if you're going there for like some gritty, serious combat, like, no, that's not what you're going to get. Well, it's, and, you know, I have, to be, I have to say now, I've I spend a fair amount of time reading comics, like over the last probably year and a half. It's probably not apparent, but I'm starting to notice, and you know, you notice a few things. The first, I started to notice some writers I like more than others and some less than others. I really started to notice there are some, you know, artists that I like more than others. There are some titles that are just awful done by one person and pretty great done by another and so forth. And the thing that I'm, I'm really, I've known about, but now I feel is just what a death march so much of this continuity and crossover stuff is. It's like taking organic chemistry. You just have to keep reading and reading and reading and it's all cumulative and you can't miss anything. And pretty soon you get the whole Green Arrow or Green Lantern problem. And like you got like 60 different comics you have to read to follow one stupid, not that interesting person. Cut that out. And uh, <laughs> my daughter loves Green Lantern. Really? But, um, oh my God, yeah. She's got, a, she's got a mask and a ring and everything. She knows, she knows all the names of them. She knows there's different colored lanterns. It's... It's like it's like the Castro or something. It's very confusing. Um, anyway, that's my that's my pick for that. And, and Saga, you know, Saga is another example. So, oh, the only point I was going to try to make in general is like there there is the organic chemistry style of like I'm going to trudge through every one of these things. I'm going to read every AVX tie-in. I enjoyed the AVX crossover. Uh, you know, I, a lot more than I suspect I'm going to enjoy this Infinity thing. Like, I think that I, I already feel myself kind of like feeling fatigue and it hasn't even officially started yet. Mm. But then there are things like Saga or like Wolverine and the X-Men or like, you know, like Astonishing X-Men. You could pick up pretty much any issue of that. And I think it's really good. And it is really rewarding as its own series of stories. But, you know, it's easy to forget that this is supposed to be fun. It's, it's not. I think one reason people get so put off. Uh, by comics and, and end up leaving is like, it, it is so overwhelming to keep up. And in the case of Marvel, it's just so um, cynical. I mean, the amount of stuff that they put out without giving you any sense of like, you know, what you really need to read to, to follow the thread of what's happening here, you know? Yeah. And, and then to like, I don't know, I just, it's really frustrating to me. Um, 
But then you get something like uh, like The Enemy Within, which is what Kelly Sue DeConnick has done in Captain Marvel inside of uh, The Enemy Within comic, Avengers Assemble, and uh, Captain Marvel. See, at and, some point, it's too many, and you feel, you feel that's like five, you... There's five issues. There's five issues in that. And it says on the front, it says on the front, The Enemy Within, two of five. And you go, this is a really rewarding story, and it has, it's got a lot of heart to it. And it's like you read these five comics, and you've got a story, and you're done. You, don't, you know what I mean? It isn't like you have to sit there and like read every AV or like A versus X tie-in book or something. Yeah, you know yeah I mean? but see, that's the thing that people already are like put off on Marvel because they feel like, oh, I got to read now. I got to read 20 books to understand why he said that in that panel. A hundred percent. I totally agree. And uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I noticed on HuffDuff where a lot of people have been huh. uh, listening, to the, <clears throat> listening to that Nerdist thing with the Benz and, um, and uh, Len Wein. You know, and Len, I, I just, I think Len Wein nails it. I mean, it's like everybody on that, on that, um, I mean, accepting the fact, obviously, that the Acker and Blacker in writing the season one Wolverine had to address, mm-hmm. you know, some origin stuff. But like, you know, that's, it takes the fun out of it. It takes the fun out, you know, to have to explicate every bit of what's going on. And uh, anyway, but in the case of like, again, Saga is a perfect example because you just pick that up and you want to read everyone because the story is so compelling. I feel that way with Hawkeye. I mean, Hawkeye, feel, you could read, there's, I think there's only one story in the last year that's been a multi, truly a multi-issue, like two, a two-parter. Right. There's a two-parter where basically there was this videotape of Hawkeye killing somebody and oh my gosh, the Avengers never kill anybody. And that was their, that was the biggest crossover. And yet there's rewarding callbacks in every single issue, but you could read it. You could look at it just for the art. You can read it for the incredibly snappy, lively writing. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely rewarding to read as a series, you know? And it isn't like if you miss one, you're not going to be, you know, completely disoriented about what's going on. While at the same time, as with Saga, <laughs> the other great comic of the last year, uh, if there are the questions that will come up, they may not be answered for a while. And you've got to just write it out. So anyway. Saga, uh, ish, uh, saga what do you call that episode of uh, The Incomparable coming this weekend? It's going to be exciting. Yeah, I, I did better. I did each one. I think I'm getting a little better. I was insufferable on the House of M episode. I was. Uh, oh, annoying. yeah. You were very well. You were um, cloying. Yeah. Thank you. And um, I, don't, I just you know what it is. I'm not suited for the incomparable. Incomparable is one of my favorite podcasts and I just don't fit in. I'm the Steve Lutz. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't see that. I see you as color commentator. Yeah. I'm really envious of the people who are on that show because they're really good at it. You could really, be good at it. <clears throat> no, that's not my style. I'm sorry. I, I've been getting the same cold for three weeks. Yeah, I have one too now. I keep getting, I keep thinking like every three days, I feel like I'm getting a different cold a little bit. <laughs> it's just, it so evolves between you and your <laughs> Because if you knew what was actually in my throat, you would be congratulating me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a professional podcaster. Dan? Dan, is there anything you'd like to tell me about? There are two things. Something, something that you like? That I would like to share my likeness. Thank you, Dan. Would you please tell me the first of the two things? Shutterstock.com, where you will find tons and tons, in fact, over 20 million stock photos and vectors and illustrations and video clips. We talk about this stuff. And we, what you, I need to go and I need to find, I'll make one over the course of the show, of uh, sick people. But what you do is you go to Shutterstock.com and you, you log in with your free account. You don't have to pay anything. And you, you, as you're browsing around, you can find images. I mean, mostly what people, I think, go there for are the images. But they have so much more. And Merlin, you like to point out they have cool vectors and cool illustrations and, and really cool 
you know, things that you can use in like a presentation. But it doesn't matter what you want to do. If you want something for your blog, for your website, for your business, whatever it is that you're going to be doing, you want to find some really great imagery. You can go there and you can find it. They have 24-hour support during the week if you ever have any trouble. But their website is great. You can make these light boxes that let you group collections of images together and then share them with other people. They have the iPad app that'll let you do that. The iPad app is really, really cool. And it doesn't matter if you need just one image or you need like tons of images and you you want an enhanced license. You can do all of this and you only pay for what you use. So you go to uh, shutterstock.com, no credit card, nothing like that. And the offer code is back to work, spelled out, back to work eight. That's going to give you 30 percent off whatever you do there could be one image could be a thousand images still getting 30 percent off over at shutterstock and then the the way i'm supposed to say this merlin is thank you very much to shutterstock.com for supporting five by five and back to work so now i'm at shutterstock i'm going to type in sick person and i'm (laughs) getting back in this list wow Look at this. There's all different kinds of illnesses being depicted here. I would like to see some pictures of someone with, a, with an ice pack on their head and a thermometer in their mouth. That's what immediately comes to mind for me when I think of an image of a sick person. There's maybe, a, maybe with the thermometer exploding at the end. There's a brunette here with a really big syringe. <laughs> I'll put that uh, in. Showbot's a mess, Dan. What happened? I don't know what's going on with that. I don't, I don't control that. That's a listener-hosted thing, so I, we're going to have to sort by... By time, I guess. So I'm doing, I clicked a little light bulb and it's a save to a light box. New light box. And I'll call it back to work dash one, three, one, save. And now it's in the light box and I have just created a new light box. Look at this. There's a guy with clearly having stomach distress. I'll put that one in. Mm. There's a, uh, there's a guy who seems to be having some tooth pain. Hmm. Put hmm. that in. A, wo- a woman with back pain. Put that in. What other ailments should I get? You really uh, want the one with the ice pack? I'm sure I can find dropsy, that. pleurisy, uh, the grip, lumbago, um, <laughs> just... bratwurst, Sudetenland. There's a a woman here with birth control pills. Does that qualify? Uh, what? I think that's a gawker site. Okay. Um, oh, that's the new one. <laughs> Yeah. Ice pack. They buy, they buy stolen fudge in bars. You want to button this up? Yeah, thank you. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else, what else, what else. Oh, what we else? got it. The one here, she's got a thermometer in her mouth and an ice pack on her head. And there's a lot of these. I'm going to put an old Does bunch she look sick? She looks sick. Does that look sick to you? Brunette with a really big syringe. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's a title. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very confused by Showbot. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm What's not, it doing right now? I usually I don't I don't spend a lot of time on Showbot during the show because I don't want to throw off my game. I'm already distracted because of the whole Garage Band thing. Yeah, but um, I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the other the other uh, uh, do, you have, do you have anything to talk about this week? I have a couple ideas. Let's hear them. Okay, so I wanted to mention two more things related to podcasts. Um, I was on uh, over there on the Mule uh, Radio Network. I was on Let's Make Mistakes with mm-hmm. Mike Montero mm-hmm. and uh, Jessica Char. Did you go that there in, in person? Really, Were you there in person? No, no, you know. Because of because uh, that's right there in your town, right? Yeah. The problem is, if you get enough restraining orders, it kind of covers the whole city. Okay. Right. You know, I just got to got to be real careful in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really fun, and we talked about all kinds of stuff and design stuff. We talked a lot about Walgreens, 
And uh, you can, uh, that's in show notes, and you can listen to that. The other thing I want to mention, I think I mentioned this show before, but there's a program on uh, 5 by 5 that I want to specifically promote called Bionic. Have you listened to the show Bionic? I am familiar with that show, yeah. It's a really, really funny show. It's gotten very, very... Uh, I don't want Matt to parse this if he hears it forthhand, but it's gotten a little silly lately, and it's really, really funny. It's, it's uh, you know, so so uh, so the host. You got Matt Alexander and, and I'm, Mike, I'm Michael Hurley. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're both, uh, you know, from, from, from the UK originally. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. For better and, uh, or for worse, they are. And, and, and the show is a total delight, protesting you as a human. Uh, what was, there was one, the one with the clown strippers was really, really funny. Backdoor juice bar. It's, it's very, it's, it, it reminds me in some ways, I don't want to say anything because Matt's such a fact picker. I don't want to oh. an, annoy him, but ugh, he's the worst. But, um, <laughs> but it reminds me a little of our show in, in their roles. I mean, except it's us, but English, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, which, which you know what means, I'm talking about? Yeah. It's just sort of, it's like if, if you were to, cause they're not talking about, uh, pens. No. And they don't really talk about comics. I think Matt, Matt is, is, uh, like myself, uh, a new or returned, uh, comics fan mm-hmm. who's now back into the comics. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I, I really want to recommend this show. I think <clears throat> it's one of my favorite podcasts right now. Um, they're, <sighs> Oh, God, you know what? Man, oh, man, oh, man. Do you understand that as a professional podcaster, there are so many things in my troubled life that you never even have to see? It's, it's like you're shielding me from, from all of that. So, so many things that I am dealing with every day here that you don't have to... Oh, dear. You told me that you were, you were weaning yourself off something. <clears throat> no, these are just... These are B... Uh, yeah, they call them B100s. I don't think that's a real vitamin, but they, these are uh, these are B vitamins that I take sometimes. <laughs> turns out, turns out, as as we've all suspected, vitamins don't actually help anything. Did you know that? Turns out. Did you want to talk about the uh, hypnagogic jerk? Oh yeah, that was really strange when you sent that to me. So so yeah, I just so, happened uh, to be reading it on my phone right at that moment, and you and I bionic on the five by five network. Oh, we'll put it in show notes. Dan, can Dan, can I ask you a question? Yes, please. Oh, Dan, if yes. somebody, somebody wanted to find show notes for, mm-hmm. <laughs> if somebody wanted to find show notes for episode one, three, one, one, three, one of your back to work program, could you give people a sense of where they would go on the internet to find that? Yes. They would go to five by five TV slash B as in brothers. Two is in the number W as in women slash one, three, one. You broke the chain. I, th- I really liked where you'd been going with that. I wanted to return to the... Or is it like B is in Mentos, uh, 2 is in the country, and W is, <laughs> is in comfort? Yeah. Something like, that. like, I really liked where you were going with that. Not, all, not only did I watch the film, I also watched Glengarry Glenn Ross again. Did you? Yes. Then you don't shut the cash. Not that one, not yet. He would be too bored. I don't know. I think once they got into the really serious primary cursing, he'd be pretty into it. Yeah, I think I think after the break in he'd like it. Yeah. Hmm, that's my least favorite part. It's mine too, but I think that it's, it's good. It's, yeah. it's still I mean, it's the you whole know. scene with um with uh, uh Jonathan Price comes into the office. Yeah, when he's oh, in the office and it's uh excruciating. It's so good. Uh, so good. Oh my god, the, the the every it's so uncomfortable. I mean, you can feel the discomfort of especially obviously of what's his name, Tony Roma, mm-hmm. the Pips guy. Mhm. You can, you can tell it's so uncomfortable. Um, so, yes, I want to talk about that. So, Bionic is, is a program you should listen to. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. I'm very intimidated by the two of them. I'm very intimidated by it's them. just the accents because they both of them are just kids, you know. They're like eight. Yeah, but they're pretty smart. I they're mean, very a, smart kids. I've got a company and stuff. I think he's got like two companies. No, I know. 
they're, they're very mix. smart, very successful, but they're. I, I listen mean, to the show, Dan. I listen to it every week now. Well, it's good, really good. Good. I'm starting to get into this other show that you do. This other one, the. Um, you look nice today. Remember that when I when I used to be Adam, not talking to my shoe. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <clears throat> I listened to you look nice today. It was pretty good. I um, saw you reblog that episode, an oldie but a goodie. Yeah. Nope. It's got its moments. Um, oh no, it's a great show. Did you want to tell me about the jerk? Hip hypnagogic jerk. Naven Johnson. Also known as a sleep start. Is an in, involuntary movement or or twitch or jerk, which occurs just as you're beginning to fall asleep. And in many cases you will wake up. You wake up suddenly. And then you feel stupid. I feel stupid when I do that. I do it all the time and I feel so stupid when I do it. It's like if, if somebody were to come up behind you and say, boo, and you would jump, it's that. And usually it's accompanied by a falling, like you've fallen. And, uh, and apparently... Oh, I, feel, I feel like a, like a vertigo thing or something. Yeah. And apparently this is, if you have irregular sleep schedules or bad sleep or you have anxiety or you have too much caffeine or that kind of thing... Uh, you're more likely to have these. I think I get it. Well, I want to. I want to circle back to how you presented this to me, but I, I feel like I get it when I fall asleep back kind of accidentally. Like I find myself uh, taking a nap on the couch without mm-hmm, realizing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're watching TBS and you, you fall asleep, and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, well, no, like it's an afternoon thing, like a, like a weekend afternoon thing. Where like oh, I didn't realize I was taking a nap. Um. And that's when I get it. That's when I get the jerk. But, but well, I, was, I was with my family enjoying some time away and uh, I got a text from you where you called me a jerk. And I, I thought, <laughs> this is odd. Yeah. And as usual, I just didn't respond. Not my usual MO. You don't really have a usual MO, Dan. Okay. Because that would, that would eat into your inscrutability. Uh, and so I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So then it occurred to me after you told me what it was and you told me that it was a joke that, that you, I thought that you probably spent about 14 minutes trying to find something you could text to me that would seem like an insult. <laughs> no, I but happened to be, have cover. I was reading about deja vu. Just getting started with it. Oh, I like that. It's kind of fun though, huh? That was awesome. Yeah. So go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just going to play some of my Garage Man songs while you're no, talking. No, I want to hear them. Okay. Um, I'm working on this one. It's a little, little kind of like a like a Wu Tang kind of thing. I've been working on. I think I played it. you this before. Oh, you heard this one? I played you this one, right? Let me get to the money shot here. Here we go. Yeah, I think this is going to be huge once I put some put some of my fat raps on here. What do you think of that? I like that one. I'm going to get more tail inside. I do like that one. Oh, yeah, you will. Hi, 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 hi. What am I? What is it? A hypno, hypno, hip, hip, hip. hypnagogic. Hypnagogic. I was sure. reading while well, I was reading about a deja vu. And did you know that there's lots of other kind of vus? I feel like you've told me that before. <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you about them. Uh, are you being serious? There are other vus? Yes. Huh. Deja vu is uh, from the, the French already seen. It's a phenomenon of having the strongest sensation that an event or experience currently being experienced has been experienced in the past, whether it has actually been... I don't think that's professional writing, Dan. ...experienced or not. It didn't sound like professional writing. Well, apparently there are other kinds of vus. He dropped a couple. Uh, 
I don't know how to say these because I don't, I don't you speak gotta, the French, but you'll send me a link and I'll try and help out. J A M A I S vu. The feeling of having been loved before. The experience of like, you feel like you're experiencing a situation that you recognize, but seems very unfamiliar. The opposite of deja vu. It involves a sense of eeriness and the observer's sounds, impression sounds of like puberty. seeing the situation for the first time, despite knowing that you've been in the situation before, like when I do this show. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so That's there are fun. more. Okay. Press, press gave vu. I think it's how you ask someone if there's a seat available at the cheese restaurant. It's similar to the phenomenon called tip of the tongue, a situation where someone cannot recall a familiar word or name, but with effort eventually recalls the elusive memory. Ouais. Le tip, no, no, no. Le, le tip, c'est <laughs> la tongue. Le, yeah. Lingua. Lingua. Yeah. And there's also... We're going to some theme music for the comic show. I'm not sure if I'm going to go with that, but I like I it. I like that. It's very sort of old REM. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. All, all iPad instruments. Yeah. I like this. I got, I got to do more of those um, over, over, over compressed songs like you like. I think, I think that's what would really, that might make the show a hit. Which? I lost my purse in the ladies' room. And what other kinds of foos? Were there other foos? I'm this sorry, I've got a lot of, of things them. going on. I've been, away, I've been away from my private office, so I have a lot of things <laughs> doing here. <clears throat> so yeah, I went, I went out, we went, stayed at that condo, and then we went to, uh, here's the problem with memory foam. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, for a second you sounded like John Roderick, and that was really, really funny. And the problem is that you're sleeping on a large human sponge. Yeah, it, all all the constituent elements and dander and moisture of different people has been subsumed in that Swedish foam. It's not just that. It, I mean, that's the part of it that consciously I'm aware of, but physically, it it's supposed to conform, I guess, to you when you turn or move or whatever. But what it actually winds up doing is sucking away support from the areas of your back that you need support in. And every oh. nerve will, in your back will get pinched, especially if you have back issues like I sometimes can have. Mm. It was the most uncomfortable. I mean, I was borderline like the floor is probably going to be more comfortable. It was just the worst. And it gets hot. I love our memory foam. Yeah. I, I, it's the, I, I love it's our bed. I find it extremely comfortable. I see what you're saying, though. It's not really – what do they call it? They call it like smartphone, right? I want support. It's and like it's like a bed that's been to a community college. It's I'm, not super smart. I need my back to be put in the right position when I'm sleeping. If I have something that's just going to give, then what's going to happen is my back's going to get all out of whack. And that's what happened. It was the worst. Yes. It's like people who think soft beds and soft pillows are good and they're wrong. Very wrong. Because we're not meant to sleep on a bed at all. We're meant to sleep, you know, like on the dirt, I guess. I don't want to do that. Yes, you do. That's right. Exactly. People are not, they're not used to an environment like an office. They're supposed to be in a cave eating meat. Let me like, tell you, so, like so I, had to sleep, years ago. I had to sleep on this, which was not great. Poor kid. And uh, so anyway, I was in there and then, you know, you go out and you're supposed to go to the pool, but it's, it's a, over a hundred degrees out. Ugh. Went out, swam around in the, in the pool and uh, then finally got to take the boat, take a boat out on, uh, what day was that? I don't even know. The last day. 
got to take a boat out Monday. It was nice. That was nice. I like boating. I, can I just... Hmm, what what state was this in, if I could ask? Texas. Texas. Yeah, Texas. They have, a, they have a lake in Texas. Lots of lakes. Did not know that. One called Lake Austin, one called Lake Travis. Those are all stones throw from here. Well, because East one goes west. So what? So what? So what? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I'm getting more and more problems with the cover situation. I don't, I don't like how uncomfortable sheets are at a lot of places. I wish there were a way I could know that no one had ever slept on them. I'd pay a little extra. But also the, the tiny blankets. I don't understand like the tiny light blankets. I like a heavy, large blanket. Do you take your own bedding? <laughs> with me? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, but that's not a bad idea. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. The Jet, jet Blue. Jet Blue. Jet Blue. Let, jet me, let me tell you, you're going to be comfortable up here. You're going to be comfortable in this seat. You like direct TV. <laughs> The, um, they, they, they now sell it's you know, they're trying to, it's just like NASCAR now, right? You, you've got to jam sponsorships into everything. And so you can buy an unused pillow that's sponsored by Claritin and you can buy an unused blanket that is sponsored by Arm and Hammer. Mm-hmm. The branded for, for only a mere four ninety nine Branded blankets. Sometimes they forget to charge you for the liquor. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a I thought I was going to get away with that last night, but then at the last minute they remembered. Mm. Yeah. It's worth it. You know, back to our topic from last week. It, mm-hmm. it, it's funny because, I, well, I, you know, I don't like to talk about life too much. But um, it really is true. It's so funny. So much of the stuff we talked about last week, or I guess specifically I talked about last week, I saw it in spades <laughs> in really? the last few. Oh, my God. Because I always wonder how much of everything I'm making up, like everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, boy, it's really true. So many people trying to, you know, again, a flight was delayed. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, flight was, flight was delayed. And everybody's up there trying to, trying to act like they're a Rockefeller or something. And they this just, is just, just what like, we talked about. And you've, you've seen. So in the last episode, episode 130, right. right? we were talking about how I was delayed for seven hours in an airport. And you were giving advice for people who are delayed, what they can do. And you're saying that you were then delayed. Yeah, I guess I, I, I forgot or, as usual, didn't want to acknowledge what, what I would be doing. And, uh, and it was actually a lot of the same conditions that I discussed uh, in the last episode. And, uh, it's, and, and what's funny is I ended up you know, following my own advice. I always feel like, I mean, like we live on the West Coast. And West Coast to East Coast flights are always, you know, they're like, what, like 10, 15, 20% shorter than East to West Coast flights? Yeah. I don't know why that is. It's I guess. Weird. Is it because of like, um, like wind or something? Like, why would that be? The jet, there's the thing that, yeah, behind the plane, it pushes it, uh, pushes it. A little, uh, they call it tailwind, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And it's so funny because then, of course, that means the, the, um, the, um, ride home just feels interminable. It just feels like it takes so very, very, very Mm -hmm. long. But, yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I, I wish I were one of those people that could sleep anywhere. Like, you know, I had to pee so bad and there were people in in both of the chairs next to me were just out like a light. And I I just, I don't know how they do that. People who can sleep on buses. I had a 20, it was a 22 hour, 26 hour bus ride one time. And I just, I prayed for death because I just wished there was somewhere that I could sleep. I I, I have so much trouble sleeping in this situation. And then when I do, it's really weird sleep and I get a hypnographic jerk. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's. We should talk more about bosses. We could also talk more about uh, airports and, and delays. People seem to enjoy that program. 
the the talking about. You know what people liked? Uh, based on uh, I looked at Twitter twice last week, and people seemed to like the talking about yelling. How yelling doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, yelling doesn't get you anywhere. You know. We could talk more about that because I, I I do think that's an interesting topic. I, I'm gonna tell you a secret, Dan. I, I gotta tell you. I gotta tell you. Uh, a lot. Uh, this is just really, really uh, by way of a. Um, I don't know, a stipulation that, you know, most of the advice I give is advice to myself. Right. I, I, do you I try take to it? always do you take it. Can you take it? I, I, <laughs> I yes. Like in the ladies room. I'm still going to make that a song. Oh, and then they got that little fake radio bit. I think this started with Genie in the bottle. You could, so, so let's say you had a song called I left my purse in the ladies room. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, I think that's interesting to people. Uh, I hope it's interesting to people because it's interesting to me. Um, I do, uh, I honestly do. Sometimes I realize I'm becoming more aware of, for example, like when I get mad at the wrong person, Mm. which I think, uh, I think everybody does that, you know, mad at the wrong person in, in the sense of not the person who's created the situation that you're in. Well, is that what you mean? Kind of, it's not, but the thing is, you know, I feel like you bring this up a lot. Like, and I know my daughter does this all the time. We go, like, we got to go. We're we're running late, and she goes, "Whose fault is it?" Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Whose fault Can is I, that? It's uh, yeah. Well, no, no, not like that. But it'll be be like, or, or her classic question, like all children, is like, "Honey, we have to go. We're late for, late for school." Whose fault is that? What well, doesn't matter? It's not really anybody's fault. We we just we just need to go. Because if we're late, then you're going to miss, you know, the huddle and, and she'll say, why? I'll say, well, why would you miss the huddle? Why are we late? Or why, you know, because I think with kids, like kids like me, I think uh, are self-conscious about not wanting to seem like anything's their fault, you know? (laughs) So they want to know if they're in the clear about that. Oh, right. And I don't want to say to her in that case, what actually is your fault? Like it should not take 45 minutes to put on a second shoe. That, why is that? What is wrong with it? I don't know. Dan, I have undertaken an informal survey of other kids can do it. No, it's a problem for everyone. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Am I right? People (laughs) I'm a bomb back. It's like, uh, it really is true. It takes an extraordinary amount of time and and it's like time slows down. You approach some kind of like a, like a wormhole or something and uh, some special relativity shoe happens and, (laughs) and, and, and and as you get closer and closer, and you're like, ah, we have got to go. We're still going to be late. I mean, this is, this is all completely unnecessary, but, uh, I don't think it's a question of whose fault it is. Uh, so again, on here, the, the example I'm thinking of here is we could talk, talk about airport. We could talk about customer service. The customer service one in general is so, it's so patently obvious that I think it's worth ad- addressing, which is again, you're yelling at the person in Kansas or whatever, or South Carolina or, you know, um, the Indian subcontinent who's, who's making a very small <laughs> amount of money to listen to you yet, listen to you yell about something that they have. It's not, it's not even so much that it's not their fault. It's just, they don't have any way they have, they have you come in and you're yelling at that person. Uh, they don't know who you are. They know there are lots of people who have problems like yours and they have a ridiculously limited amount of ways that they can help you. Really? Do you know, do you know what I mean? I do. And even that's better than what most of us do, which is taking out, you could take out your anger on the wrong person. You know what I mean? Where that could be that like, <clears throat> like maybe you're mad in this case about, uh, I always think of cable TV or, 
like, you know, dealing me dealing with AT&T can just be, it feels like it's it just makes my dealing with Comcast makes my head pound. Yeah. It's just there's something particularly about working with Comcast. My favorite is like when I, when the cable has gone down, the cable's not working and I call them and you're on hold for minutes and minutes and minutes. And every few minutes they remind you that, that most of your service related problems can be fixed by going to their website. Right. Because you'd never thought of that. I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to do stand up here, but like that. That just makes me so angry. <laughs> you know, it's just no. I'm calling you because I can't get to the web because your internet is broken, right, Mister. Um, but I think one thing that grabbed sounds like grabbed a few people was that idea that powerful people don't yell. And I and I, I've been thinking about that in a couple different contexts. You know, the example we gave last week was, well, you know, you could yell at the, at the guy or lady behind the counter about the plane being late. And then you start proceeding into, into a number of, of extremely um, unlikely threats that you're going to follow through on if you aren't serviced immediately. And you see this, you see this all the time, people who are pulling out all the different cards and, and showing how important they are. And really seriously, just to recap from last time, I mean, if you are that powerful, like what you would not even be talking to that person, you would be, you would be mm-hmm. escalating that over their head. But I, the other thing I, I've been thinking about, it, it, this is going to sound probably totally unrelated, but is people, the kind of serial entre, entrepreneurial people and, and how they talk. And I was, I was in the, um, in a, I was really early for my flight. So I did that thing where you go to the lounge and there was this guy behind me who is a sales. I, this is, I'm not making this up. This is not a Hank Hill bit. He is a regional wholesale Sales representative everywhere from Baltimore up. He is a regional sales representative <laughs> of the second largest propane company. Oh, wow. And he talked so loud. You could hear everything. And, and, and he was doing that thing, you know, not, 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 not to do a bit here, but it was like, hey, uh, here, here, you know, beep, beep, beep. Oh, I wonder who that is. Beep, beep. His phone's ringing, his phone's ringing, his phone keeps ringing. Like, I just want to re- reach over. You know, you can hit that little silver thing on, on top and it will, you can still see who's calling, but it will quit beeping. You know, you can do that. <laughs> Dan, do people know this? Do people know I that they I think can they do, this? do know it. I'm, Here's in the fact, thing. I'll bet they know it. There are ways to stop. You can still have the phone ringing without it actually making a noise. So this rings. And then he says to his associate, Who is that? Huh. I bet that's Mike Box. Mike Box. Hey, is this Mike Box? <laughs> yeah, sales representative of the second largest propane company in America. How's it going, buddy? Just so super loud. And 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 I, at one point it sounded like he was trying to do like almost like a, you know, he was trying so hard to impress this other sales guy that it sounded like he was trying to get a job. He was g- giving so much of his background and all these people he works with everywhere from Baltimore up, right? He does all this stuff and it went on and on and on and on. And, I, and I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm trying to evolve as a person, Dan. So, so I, I avoided doing a phone guy right in front of this guy because that's part of my evolution. Yeah. But, but the point is, I, I, I sat there listening to this and I, it, it, it kept occurring and reoccurring to me. This guy was trying, I, he was obviously trying to do a status thing with the guy on the other end of the phone, like a lot of dicks who are men, mm-hmm. they try really hard to do this thing where they do this public grooming that's going to make them look very powerful. And, and in a certain parlance of the industry, uh, you know, there's this, there is this kind of like little peacock dance that men do with each other that I, I just find excruciating. To tell watch. me, tell me about this. What is this? Oh, okay. Like, what's a classic one? <clears throat> you meet somebody at a party or whatever, and you're like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Hey, nice to meet you. Whew, wow, wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, uh, what do you do? <laughs> is that right? Huh? 
Oh, right. That's over there on, uh, on the uh, second or uh, Brandon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you start doing this whole like you're, you're like, you're like sussing each other out for like, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's a great BMW to start with. That's, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you do this whole like grooming thing because you're not allowed to say, I hope I have more money than you. You know, like then you look you look like a fruit, right? But you got to sit and do this thing. And so, this, but the point is, the guy's doing this, and it's maybe this is just because I find people like this so excruciating to be around. It's it's it brings out all of the worst tendencies in me. I find people like that. Just, I find it difficult to be in the same room as someone who's doing that. I mean, to, to my, to, they might as well be like masturbating in the triscuits. Like, I just, I can't watch it. I'm like, do you realize how dumb you look right now? But he keeps doing this. He keeps doing this. And it occurs to me, as I say, I think he's trying really hard to impress that person on the other end of the phone. And I think he's really trying hard to, to impress everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. And well, okay, so let's, uh, that's obvious, right? So let's follow that thread a little bit. Okay, he's trying to impress everyone. So, so in his mind, all that stuff that he's doing is impressive. In other words, he is trying to increase his status. He's trying to look um, powerful and successful. Wouldn't you say? I mean, is that really obvious? In doing those kinds of peacock yeah. dances, yeah. a man in particular in this case is trying to, I'm not saying women don't do this, they they do, and sometimes in, in quite different or more similar ways. But, but wouldn't you agree that in that case, he's trying to look powerful, he's trying to let people know that he's a high-status, uh, successful character? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you ever met a CEO or a president of like a big company? They don't act like that. Yeah. They don't act like that. I, I, I had a, a family member who is a, a VP of an aeronautics company, like an international sales VP. Mm-hmm. And let me just say, you could barely hear the man speaking. He spoke so quietly and slowly and deliberately. Mm. He was not trying to be heard by everyone. He was not trying to be heard by no one. He was not doing the trick where you speak quietly to get people to pay attention to you. It's just how powerful people talk. Powerful people do not talk about integration inside vertical markets vis-a-vis mm-hmm. synergies inside the space. Right. That's how like director-level sales douches talk. That's not how extremely powerful people... Extremely powerful people... You ask anybody who's ever been in a room with one of the, one of the presidents, inclusive, whether that's Obama. I've heard this especially of Clinton. I've heard this of both Bushes. I was not, not a huge fan of either of the Bushes, but everybody will tell you, you get in a room and you feel like you're with one of your best friends in the world. You go and you, I, I, people say, oddly enough, I've heard this said of both Clinton and of uh, George H.W. Bush. Apparently you're in a room with George Bush who seemed like the, like the most annoying cold fish in the world. He's the, apparently the warmest guy. Like mm. when you meet the elder Bush, he was a super nice guy and he's listening to you and he's participating in the conversation, he's not there trying to impress you by going, you know, I'm the president, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, this sounds completely unrelated, but I think it's not. I think, I think when you yell at somebody at the airport, <clears throat> when you have this loud call in front of all these people, I think that's you doing a lot of self-talk about where you'd like to be in life. And it's to somebody like me, not that you should be out to you know, impress me or somebody like me, but when I watch people doing that, like I, I, all I see is desperation. All I see is a 12-year-old boy who's scared to go into the shower. Mm-hmm. I do not see a powerful person. A powerful person does not need to do that. A powerful person does not have to have a very, very loud conversation about regional propane sales in the middle of the United Lounge. It just doesn't make any sense. But I think it's fruit from the same tree, which I, I, 
I realize I have a lot of uh, open parentheses here, but do, do you sing? Are you sing anything of a direction? Yeah, here? no. I, I mean, I I think it is very interesting when you consider because the, I have met a few people who are at you know the very top of a of a company. A couple of them were pretty big companies, and. I wonder why that is. Do they make it to the top of the company because they are that way? Or have they been there for so long that they've realized that they can relax and that they don't need to shout anymore? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it that type of person who winds up there? Are they there because they're like that? Or, or are they like that because they're there? That's, that's an extremely, extremely good and well put question. Um, and we should probably stipulate again, though, that, you know, obviously we're talking about many, many, many different kinds of people, many kinds of companies. This will vary a lot. But my my swag on that would be two-parted. Uh, first of all, I have a feeling that it's people with that personality that get to there. Because B, I don't think there are that many people that talk like, talk like a total douche mm-hmm. and then suddenly change once they get to an SVP level. I don't I don't think that happens. I think in some ways you you consign yourself to a certain... I'm guessing. See, I've never run a company. I don't work places. I don't know. But my gut is just based on the people that I've met that um, in, in just in general, maybe this is just tech companies. I don't know. But I think it's probably not. But, you know, to move up in an organization, you need competence. Uh, competence that turns into expertise. Expertise that turns into um, collegiality mm-hmm. and so forth. And, you know, I think there's these things that as you grow as whatever, an executive, whatever you want to call it, as you grow as an employee, you know, you get better at this stuff. But the higher and higher up you go, the more ambiguous your responsibilities are and the more important your ability to have good relationships mm-hmm. matters. I mean, it always matters. You don't always realize it until it's too late. But I think if you, the higher up you move in a company, uh, I'm copying one part of this from David Allen, which is that, you know, Everybody at the, if you like, bottom of the ladder frets about all the responsibilities they have. Well, the truth is, as you know, as somebody who owns a company, the, the, more, the more equity you have, the more independence you have, the more all those things that you have. The heroin part is like the more awful, not awful, the more um, scary your job becomes because it's on you. And you, some days you probably wish you had something as simple as I have to answer phones for 12 hours today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, wouldn't that be great? And I get to go home at a certain time or whatever. But it's not like that. You know, when, as you move up, it, it becomes more abstract what you have to do because there is an element of operations of keep all this stuff running. There is an element of like, okay, how do I keep this place profitable? How do I pay everybody? But at the same time, how, how do I keep looking toward the future? One of the things they talked about on um, Bionic this week was the Jeff Bezos stuff and, you know, and the stuff about Amazon, about how, you know, in Matt's opinion, the thing that makes Amazon so great is the way they reinvest in the company. It's, it's not a matter of turning a, a profit quickly. It's a matter of becoming more and more of this structure for you know, moving out in terms of their core competencies. Um, but that ability to say, for example, again, to quote Matt, like, oh, we're not just going to sell DVDs and books. Like, we're gonna, now we help run the internet, and we're a media company, and we're looking to the future, right? That's a lot of responsibility. Oh, yeah. And I think the kind of person who is able to get into that kind of a role over time uh, has to have, as they say, grit. You have to have intelligence, social intelligence. But I, I mean, I, the, the power part of it is I think, I think you can be somebody who exudes power, but to exude power, uh, it has to not look like you're forcing it. You know, you would probably want to be, 
I'm not obsessed with power. It doesn't actually interest me personally that much, obviously. <laughs> but if I were going to try to do that, like I would, I would learn to work the channels and make people have to like rely on me. I mean, I think that's one piece of advice for anybody who wants to move up. And it's not cynical, but like make it so that nobody else could do your job or help create a company where you become so instrumental that they have to keep moving you up rather than begging somebody to like give you an extra nickel this week. Why don't you become indispensable? And see, and what's interesting is in, in so many times that I've talked to people who are at the, at that very successful high up level, it, whether they're founders of the company or CEOs or CFOs or whatever, those are the people who are saying, I'm trying to make it so that I can, I can be replaced so that I can be dispensable so that I, I can take some time off or, you know, I'm trying to, I may take four people to do what I do, but I want to be replaceable in that sense so that I can get a day off or get some free time or so that my employees, or so I can start three new companies. Exactly. So that I can have employees who have more involvement and accountability in the company can make decisions based on their own intuition and experience instead of having to ask me a question every single day. It, it flips, a, you know, it changes. It, well, it, it, it does, but, and it's, it ends up being this weird, uh, this is really, really goofy, but it almost becomes this kind of uh, deliberate abdication of self where you, I mean, if you want to have some kind of lifestyle family company type thing, that's one thing. But, you know, as you say, you'd like to get it to the point where your values and your ethic or whatever it is of the company you've built doesn't have to have you around every day cracking the whip would be one way to look at it. Mm -hmm. That, that, you know, but it doesn't ride just on your cult of personality. Oh, the boss is coming in today. It'd be nice to get to a point where you could hire the right people to keep that the kind of company you'd like it to be, but to also have the presence of mind to keep it evolving, to keep the shark swimming or however you want to think of it. There's a thing on uh, Morning Edition today about this guy, the guy who bought the Boston Globe. And I, I never heard of this guy. I think his name's John Henry. John Henry. And $70 million. Heard, you've heard of this guy? Yeah. Okay. He bought it for $70 million. Well, and I was half asleep when I was listening to this, but it sounded very interesting. I guess he uh, went to college. He was a soy, he came back and ran his, left college to like run his father's soybean farm. And he became this like numbers guy. Like he was really good with numbers. He could figure out futures. And, and over time, he's bought all these different things, these completely weird, disparate things. Like he ran, a, he ran a swimming farm. He bought the Red Sox and figured out how to make Fenway Park profitable, according to this story. Mm-hmm. But what, what struck me about this as I was half asleep was, well, the point of the story was that he did all these seemingly unrelated things. You know, I mean, uh, why, would, why would, you know, gosh, soybean farmer, like, why would you be a guy who buys the Red Sox? Guy who buys the Red Sox and makes them successful. Like, why would you buy a, a newspaper? Mm-hmm. But like Jeff Bezos, I think was the other example, obviously, in the story from this week, um, this week of buying old print media companies, is that, you know, well, who's well-suited to making that change? Well, in this case, it's somebody who has a real restlessness about making something successful, having really grit, huge grit and determination to make something successful, and then seeing something in a company or in a market that nobody else sees. And the obvious example to invoke, uh, I'm going to call it jobs wins law. Um, <laughs> Apple, you can't invoke Apple in a business discussion. It's really cheesy, but Apple, I mean, Steve jobs, obviously this is a guy who along with his very, very talented um, executive team was somehow always able to look at something that felt like a commodity that nobody would ever want to make cool. Like why would you want to make an MP3 player 
There's so many MP3 players out there. Like, well, why would you, you know, nobody's ever succeeded selling music like this online. Mm-hmm. Phone, I mean, there's no money in this. Like Samsung's going to Samsung's gonna win this forever. Like, why would you go make a phone and so forth and so forth? Well, you know, how could you possibly deliver stuff to somebody's house overnight? Like, you'll never make any money with that. There's no future in that. In all of those cases, though, it's it's somebody who, and yeah, sure, those are all people with very strong personalities, very strong like brands, if you like. But you know, they were also all people that were able to govern uh, based on their own curiosity and values, and not just on the fact that they could go and yell at people. Steve Jobs yelling at the kind of people that he yelled at mm-hmm. would not have meant anything if they didn't just categorically trust his power, uh, or trust his instincts and taste and vision. I mean, I'm sorry to talk in these big words, but I'm, I don't know another way to put it. I mean, would you trust the, the idea of like going into like what became like Amazon, like web services or EC, EC3? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Like going into those kinds of stuff. Wait a minute, we're supposed to be selling books. What are we doing? Right. Well, th- this is this other thing that we could do. I don't know. We're getting off the topic of yelling at airports, but um, I want to hear about something you like. But uh, just to close a couple parentheses, like the person who yells at someone at the counter at the airport, like the person in the airport who's yelling on the phone. But and like the person at the party, you know, who keeps telling me they're you know a serial entrepreneur. Which you know, my definition of a serial entrepreneur is anybody who's installed WordPress more than once. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> net, net net. But uh, I think there is a thread in all of those, which is that in mimicking what we think success looks like, um, we may actually getting be getting further and further away from exploring the thing that can make us better at what we do rather you know, and, and in fact, when what we're really doing is making ourselves look like a jackass mm-hmm. to try and, and look like we're somebody powerful. Nothing's more preposterous. Remind me to talk about Keith Johnstone, but first uh, tell me about something you like. I can do that. Um, you know, we, we talk on this show about kinds of products and services that I think we think are important. Things that we think will, will help, People, right? I mean, it's, this show is about, it's just about helping people. Everything I do is about helping people by definition. By definition, everything you say is a promise. Promise. Yeah. Well, this is 2013 and you, you mention our past lives working for companies and building stuff. And we used to get hired at places because we would, the ones that we were the ones that knew how to build stuff. And, you know, I used to write content management systems for a living and people would come and they would pay me to build stuff that would do things that we kind of take for granted now. And one of the reasons that we don't have to do that kind of work anymore is besides the fact that neither of us are probably employable (laughs) is because there are really, really great tools out there to do it. And one of the best ones in the world is, is Squarespace. They make it so easy to create your own website. It doesn't matter what it is that you would like to do. And people will, you know, they'll stop me on the street I'll be coming out of the Whole Foods and they'll say, what if I just want an image gallery site? Like, what if I want my you know portfolio? And I'll say Squarespace. And then I'll be getting into my car and the guy will come out to, you know, bring the card in. He'll say, well, what if I just want a blog? I'll say Squarespace. You know, then I'm at the bank and the lady's like, here's your deposit receipt. You know, what if I want to integrate with my GitHub account? Squarespace. And you set it all up by dragging and dropping. You don't have to write any code. If you want to write code, you can. They let you get into the CSS and HTML. But that's not what it's about. It's about ease of use. It's about dragging and dropping. There's so many templates. They're all really, really, really great. And if you would like 10% off, (laughs) 
you can get 10% off. Do you like this code? Do you know what the code is? I, I, I heard I'm going to like it, but I have not heard what the offer code is for the month of eight. For August, the code is Howard Chicken. One word. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's going to get you 10% off. They listen to the show. They do. Oh my and it's good. going to uh, take it down to only eight bucks a month Woo. when you sign up. They have support 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Howard Chicken. Howard Chicken. <laughs> and it includes a domain name included if you sign up for a year or two. <coughs> you all right? I'm sorry. I'm getting a call. All right. And now you got me laughing. That guy's been in comics for years. I know. Making fun of names isn't funny. No. God, that's funny. So anyway, you can go. You can do all the things I said. Integrate it with, with uh, all the stuff. And they've got the commerce. So if you want to sell something, plugs yeah, I in. I want to just mention before you, before you do the sign-off, I, can, I, can, I, can I mention a couple things? Go ahead, caller. Thank you. Uh, I got nothing. Um, it's been a big week, big few weeks Huge for them. Week. Woo! Uh, woo! Big. I've, uh, I'm, as, you, as, you, as you may know, I'm a student of Squarespace. I'm a student and a scholar. And uh, <laughs> uh, they, I've been, I follow their blog. And uh, so have we talked about the restaurant, Squarespace for restaurants? Squarespace for restaurants. Yeah, I just want to mention that there's like three Is this a new site? Well, they've, they've added a whole bunch of new features that if you've, if you've got a restaurant... They make it really easy to go in and put up stuff like menus to get you around that whole annoying, you know, how many times have you traveled? <laughs> how many times have you gone somewhere and you want to find out about a local restaurant and what comes up is a page that says you need flash to look at this page because mm-hmm. you're looking on your phone, mm-hmm. right? Like you've got this expensive, uh, expensive uh, smartphone and you want to go buy a steak and, and they <laughs> tell you to go to a website that you can't see. Well, Squarespace has, I, I, this is all in show notes. You can go check this out. But they've got a, a great new functionality for people who want to do restaurants. It always seemed like a natural fit to me for somebody who has a restaurant to use Squarespace. And now they've made that easier. Um, they have a new template called Marquee that is really cool looking. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, like slides. Uh, what was the other thing they had? They had a thing about here. Um, oh, donation service products and form product integrations. Have you seen this as part of the commerce? Yeah, this is cool. Anyway, I, I, they didn't tell us to talk about this, but um, I would say follow their blog if you are a Squarespace user because you'll be up to date on all the stuff that they're adding. I mean, it's one thing to go in and give you free commerce on your site, and it's another thing to keep adding these new features. Like they're, this, this, is, this, is, this is very actively developed. It is solid, and it is actively developed. There is new stuff coming all the time, and it's, it's rock solid. So anyway, uh, go to show notes or, you know, better off, just go to squarespace.com. And could you remind us, Dan, for the month of eight, what is the offer code? Howard Chicken, one word, Howard Chicken. Mm. So go check it out. And we'd like to thank uh, Lil Ryan and our friends at Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and back to work. I made this for you just now. You ready to hear it? Yes. One is going east and the other one is going west. So what? Okay. (laughs) It makes me laugh. It's good. I watched Casino, and I love when she keeps telling. Uh, it's not Pesci, but the the guy at the at the store where they meet keeps telling him not to cur- not to curse. Mm-hmm. Her expression, right? Because she's working in the in the store, like she works in the store. Yeah, and it's yeah. like her son, yeah. who, who like hosts the the meetings outside of Vegas. <laughs> and it's like, eh, eh, no, 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 so good. Uh, all right, we we uh, we should wrap up soon. You got a lot. Yeah, I haven't eaten but, yet. <clears throat> sorry, I'm, God darn you. Three weeks I've been getting the same cold. One goes east, one goes west. So what? You like that one? You know, if we went and had an offsite, like with, like with whiteboards, there's no way that if, if we spent two weeks on it, we could not figure out a way to make the show make any less sense. What, you has, mean, happened like a what has happened to the show? Dude? What has happened to the show? 
I don't know. I give it up because I have a cold. So you have a cold? I think so. Yeah. I couldn't tell this whole time. You sound great. I thought oh. it was just one of your ticks. No. Ticks. Um, I'm interested in the power stuff. Um, I don't know. You know, um, I, I, I honestly think that's true of myself. I have a lot of problems and afflictions. But, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that yeah. that the people who get to those positions in a company, yeah, that they have to that they have to somehow be toning it. Like I, I'm thinking of one guy in particular who was uh, he was the president of a an aerospace company, and he was exactly as you're describing, very calm deliberate, very nice, you know, always had time for, for anyone who wanted to talk and not at all bossy. And yet he was everybody's boss. You know what I'm saying though? He was not at all. I totally, I totally do. Like, you know, when you think, when are you, when one thinks of a boss, I mean, you think of Donald Trump, right? Like, in there in his room, like yelling and slamming papers around. I think of like, I think of office space or I think of, (laughs) you know, I think about like the, um, you know, about, um, oh my God, what's his name? Yeah. I need you to go ahead and come in on Saturday. What's his name? Lumberg? Uh, Lumberg, yeah. I think of Mike Mike Judge's character as the manager at Flingers. Yeah. That's honestly, because that, the reason those, those characters resonate so much because we've all we've seen in, them in service jobs or office jobs like every service job i've had i had that mike judge boss every office place not every but a lot of the office jobs i had especially at a lower level um i've had lumberg as a boss mm-hmm. for sure i mean mm-hmm. that instantly resonates you know and, and uh i i i'm trying to think can i, can I give an example yes did I, I interrupt you didn't i no i mean it's your show you can say whatever you want um, I, I've been watching more Kung Fu movies, so I've been thinking more about martial arts. Oh yeah. Arts. You were talking about, you linked to that one about Bruce Lee's master. Yeah. Mess. Uh, was it Master Ip or uh, Ip Man? Ip, Ip, Ip Man. Boy, is that ever good. It's that so good. That made me want to watch it. What well, dude. Doing. And also I didn't, uh, turns out, uh, the, the guy, uh, who plays, uh, Master Yip is also in the amazing movie hero. God, hero is good. It's Nothing awfully, to do with good. the television show. You mean the sandwich? Lonely sandwich? Which one am I? <laughs> think about martial arts. Well, think about this. Just think about anywhere you've been. Like, you've probably at some point, now I'm thinking about like my bodyguard, right? Like, there's always somebody around who's so big and so strong seeming, so self possessed. You don't even ever have to see that person get in a fight. There might be stories about that person having been in fights, but nobody ever messes with, with some people. They just have a way of carrying themselves. And, and I, I've heard it said, it is said, <laughs> I got to get that line right. It is said. They, they say, <laughs> it was so hot today, that, um, you know, one benefit of learning martial arts of any kind, of, of, you know, learning any martial art, is that uh, you, you, be, you become confident enough in such a way that you might never need to use it. You're so confident that you can carry yourself so well. It's not even that you're intimidating people. It's just, just that you don't give off that 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 scared guy vibe. Mm-hmm. You've you've been hit. Like so that's many been times. eradicated from your personality. I guess. Yeah. 
I think I think I think one way to think of it, one 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 great part of expertise. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was talking to. Uh, Gosh, I'm sorry, I'm all over the map. I was this weekend. I was actually talking to uh, somebody I mentioned on the last Roderick on the line. My my brother-in-law, who was a quarterback in high school, and we were talking about you know when you're when you're quarterback, like you train so many times, like you've done this thing so many times. In in whether it's in football or martial arts, you've been knocked. You know what it feels like to be hit. Mm-hmm. You've been hit so many times, but you've been hit by people who you're training with. You know, eventually you'll get hit by the other side. You know, like in, in the case of football, the other team. But like you've been hit by people who are your friends. There's not an animosity in it. There's just this physicality of knowing what it feels like. Aikido, judo, like all you do for months is fall down. You just fall down and fall down and fall down. And so you know what that feels like. Whereas like for somebody like me, if somebody came out and punched me in the face, like I would be, I would be, I would be gone for six months. Yeah. Like I, I just don't get hit a lot. I, that, I, that would be really difficult for me. Whereas people who have trained, they might get hit and that emotion of having been hit is not going to be the same. They're not going to necessarily, they might cry because it hurts. But uh, they, they, but they've had it happen so many times, and they've had to deal with that in so many different situations in training, that it's not going to have the same emotional impact as somebody who hasn't been hit a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that training makes it so that you know when you face off with somebody, I'll bet you can look at somebody. If you train enough, you can look at somebody and know pretty quickly. At <laughs> least this is true in martial arts movies. But you can tell pretty quickly whether somebody is a badass because of the way they carry themselves, how the, what the what their form is like, like how you know what I mean. And you could probably tell if there's a really, really, really giant guy with great technique, whether that's in football or martial arts. Like you're going to be a little bit, you're going to treat that person very seriously, and you might even like take a more defensive pose. But anyway, you've all been trained. You all know how that stuff works. You've all had it happen a lot, and you can exude a certain kind of confidence in the way that you carry yourself, such that you don't have to constantly do the peacock dance. You don't have to constantly fight with people. I'm not saying this makes you a better person. There are certainly jerks who have done martial arts. It's not, it's not a way of, it doesn't cleanse your personality. Yeah. But in that, in that same way as in martial arts or football, if you're an executive type, if you're a, a somebody, who's been, somebody who's moved through the company, you've been through a lot. You've seen a lot of change. You've seen a lot of people uh, come in and go out. Um, you have experience and you may realize once you reach a certain level of maturity that you don't have to go, you know, watch <laughs> to make people impressed. You don't have to yell at people to sound powerful. You don't have to start doing a kata in the middle of the lounge to make people think that you're a badass. Just the way that you carry yourself will exude a certain kind of power. And um, I don't know. I guess I, guess I, I just find that, I find that really very interesting. What I'm going to ruminate on now is thinking about your question though. Like, is that something you start with or like, or how early in your career do you have to have that quiet, stable confidence, um, in order to move up in a typical company? Cause I mean, are, are we, are we doing a straw man here? I have a feeling that that is true. Most powerful people I think tend to be like that. I think they tend to not be total, total powerful. And when you say powerful, you're talking about in, in the context of, of business, which is interesting because there's a completely going back to your posturing that you were describing in the beginning, uh, the the roostering, you Peacocking. know, the <laughs> gawking, the gawkering. It is a very different kind of thing that you see in business than you would see in, say, uh, you know, what what they call wrestling on TV. Wrestling. Wrestling. You know, that, whereas there's a lot of posturing there too, but Mm -hmm. there's this whole concept of today, 
physicality, physical strength is not what makes you a powerful person in 2013, really, at least not in, uh, in, in this country. Being a big guy, I mean, that might help you through high school time. I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree. I think, I think using strength in a violent way is not part of our, our for most of us. Most of us middle class people, that's not a part of our day to day. Right. Like like the fact that like if you go if you if you walk into a Starbucks and you sit down and there's, you know, five or six other people sitting there and one of them happens to be six foot tall and three hundred pounds, and the other one is the CEO of um Apple. I'm way more intimidated by this intimidated by the CEO of Apple than the guy who could kick my butt my ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. I, I still think I have to I mean, this is just my own maybe my own opinion. I, I'm not I'm not super intimidated by, by large people um, unless I have a reason to be. But I do think people, all other things being equal, um, I think a, a, a tall, like powerful in the room person will tend to get more respect. Oh, no, than, absolutely than true. No, I totally, 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 totally agree with you on that. My point, though, is in 2013, the, the people who most folks are going to um, – how do I say this? Try I'm not I'm not explaining it right. I I, I think I think I know what you're saying. I mean it, it's help, more like help a, me out. well, it's more Congress of the Mind kind yes, of stuff. Like you're it. talking to people. And, you know, um so just because somebody's big and is still wrong like bull doesn't necessarily make them an interesting person at the coffee place. But I mean, so just to finish this one thread, so like you might meet somebody and find out like, oh my God, you make that like when when I was at uh what Macworld or I guess WWDC a couple years ago. Like I met the guys who did Reader and I met the guys who did Instacast and they were like rock stars to me. I was like, oh my God, I, ah, uh, you don't know me, but like, I love your app so much. Like if I ever meet the guy who does drafts or the guy who does Pythonista, like I'm going to be like, oh my God, if I ever meet that, I'm going to be like, you are a God. <laughs> like you, you are so, that person to me is so much more, I don't even powerful, who cares? That person is so much more impressive to me than somebody who's really large and does a kata in the middle of the United Lounge. Like, is that kind of what you're saying? Like yeah, you that's go, exactly like, what I'm saying. You Thank have you. such a big place in my world, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not because you can punch holes in a wall when you get all mad, right? There, there's that. But then then let's, let's extend that and flip it a little bit, which is like, then when you meet somebody who's a giant douche and is trying to like, ah, it just, it's again, it's the masturbating and the Triscuits problem. You meet these people and they're trying so hard to be impressive. They're trying so hard to have what, again, what Keith Johnstone calls high status. There's this wonderful book that everybody who does improv classes ends up reading, or theater in general, called Impro. It's a little wackadoodle, but Keith Johnstone, this English guy, wrote this book called Impro. And a big, a big piece of what he does, and a big a foundation piece of a lot of improv is this idea of status and the exchange of status. And I won't go into it too much because I don't understand it that well myself. But uh, you've got high status char characters and low status characters. And think about like Jeeves and Worcester. Think about the idea that that in this instance, like, you know, um, Worcester is is the rich guy. He's the master, right? Jeeves is the butler, mm -hmm. but he has he's a much higher status character right. in a lot of ways. Do, do you know what I mean? I and, do. and and so that becomes a really big thing in improv is how you play how you play status, and you know it's such a foundation of physical comedy. It's such a foundation of tragedy. Even is the way that somebody thinks they're much more high status than they are. Mm -hmm. Um, again, I'll go back to David Brent. 
David Brent from the office, the UK office, he thinks he's an extremely high status character. <laughs> right. and, and the fact that he thinks of himself as being such a high status character when he's actually not, the fact that he's so completely tuned out to what he's actually like, he, he really thinks that everybody thinks he's funny. Mm-hmm. He really thinks that everybody thinks he's like the nice guy boss. And we've said this before, but like to me, this is so perfectly encapsulated in that moment when he looks at the camera. And, and, and there's something amazing that happens in that like one and a half second comedy take. So like David Brent does something dumb or says something dumb. There's a pause that's excruciating. It's silent. You can tell that for a second, maybe he thinks he pulled it off. Then for less than a second, then he probably realizes he really didn't pull it off. But then he realizes the camera caught him processing all of that and not pulling it off. Yeah. And his status goes through the floor and it's funny. Like it's not funny when an old crippled lady slips on ice. It's, it's funny when the, when the incredibly pompous man with the monocle falls because that's that Delta between status is what makes that funny. It can be funny when an old lady falls down, you know, but, but do, do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's, that's to me the, uh, we can wrap this up, but of all of these things, that's what it is. That perceived status of being somebody who can, who can yell at somebody who has absolutely nothing to do with why anything is the way it is in your world. You could just unload on somebody like that and, and think that that makes you a high status character. It, it, it's just, it's so wrong. It's not even right. And we all do it. We, I mean, we all do it. I mean, it, I, I don't think there's anybody listening to this that hasn't had the experience of being treated poorly by a company and then reacting by yelling at somebody who's not responsible for that, just for an example. Um, but so we have to find a functional component. Um, if you want to move up in a company, I think it helps a lot to get good at what you do. It helps a lot to become indispensable to that company. Um, not necessarily through like blackmail or Shakespearean, you know, uh, contortions, mm-hmm. but to be, to become somebody who who's you're, you're not, you're not impressive because of your, of your peacocking and, and, and apparent power. You're, you get a lot of woofy and power because they kind of need to have you there. You've made the relationships you may. Yeah. Maybe you know where the bodies are buried, but you're, you're, you're everybody there can't imagine you not being there. And, and that's what power is in some ways is being that person where uh, you never want to be the person where people wish you weren't there. You want to be the person where you can't imagine them not being there. It would yeah. not be a party if this person weren't there. That's, I mean, that's the closest I have to a functional component. Also, just don't be a dick. Oh, that's always a good one. Can you want to button this up? Sure. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. 